Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Harmonious World. My name is Hilary Seabrook and for this episode I'm joined by composer Joseph Bertolozzi. What you're listening to now is A Thousand Feet of Sound, 300 mètres de son, from Joseph Bertolozzi's album Tower Music, Musique de la Tour. And this music, as you probably have gathered, is very much influenced by France, specifically Paris, specifically the Eiffel Tower. And in fact, I'm going to ask Joseph that the story of this is that the album is created using sounds recorded by percussion on the structure of the Eiffel Tower. Now you know that, you can probably listen to that in a very different way. So I'm really looking forward to my conversation with Joseph and uh, I hope you enjoy listening in. Welcome to Harmonious World and for this episode I'm joined by Joseph Bertolozzi. Is that the correct Hi. pronunciation? Uh, that's that's fine. It's a nice British pronunciation. It sounds great. Okay. So thank you for joining me, Joseph, for this to talk about tower music, musique de la tour, which is all made from sounds recorded at on the Eiffel Tower. Tell me, explain to my listeners how you did that. Um, well, I had this idea that it would be cool to go and sample all the surfaces of the Eiffel Tower. You know, you could just see what sounds there were and try to write music with those sounds. So uh, I got permission to come. I'm making this go by really quick, but it took years. Uh, went and with my team of recording engineers, we put contact microphones on all the different surfaces, uh, stairs, handrails, fences, benches, uh, metal panels, rivets, sampled all those sounds. And then I took those uh, samples home and cataloged them into like a virtual instrument. So there were some notes, some samples that had an actual pitch like an E flat or an F. Um, and then there were some sounds which were more akin analogous to a, uh, a bass drum or a snare drum hit. So with those cataloged sounds, then I created a, a virtual percussion ensemble. And uh, I wrote the music out in standard music notation. Uh, the idea was for it to be played live. Um, still working on that um, but I created the album and um, the music that you hear what makes this kind of unique I wasn't really the first person to do this um, at the Eiffel Tower um, there's an artist named China Blue who went and sampled the surfaces and her album uses those samples with a lot of processing, like echo and the filters, and also includes other sounds, other other instruments and, and voice. And uh, my music is solely the sound of the tower with no filtering, no effects added into it. We didn't even add treble or bass. I mean, if you look at the Pro Tools uh, files, the only thing you'll see is volume and, and panning left and right. I, I I figured if I was going to record the tower, nobody knew what it sounded like. I didn't right. want them to hear my, uh, 
I didn't want them to hear my, so my audio software. I wanted them to hear the Eiffel Tower. So I worked with what I had, and um, I wrote fixed pieces of music that are uh, replicable by live musicians. So how is that going to work? Because presumably, you know, you've got a D that might be kind of three stories up and an E flat that's, you know, right down the bottom. You So you can't go D, E flat without. So, so have you, when you were composing it, did you take that into account? I didn't take into account the physical distances. I mean, your, your, your um, assessment is a hundred percent on the mark. I took into consideration uh, whether something was actually playable by a human being. Um, Cause I could create a role, which is a repeated series of strokes on a, on a fence or on a, you know, on a panel. And I could, with the computer, I could make that repeat so fast that a human couldn't play it that fast. Okay. And I wanted to make it like real music. So I, I kept that into, took that into consideration regarding the distances. Um, <clears throat> the end result, say we had a hundred percussionists on the Eiffel Tower and the person at the top is a thousand feet away from the person in the basement. What we would have to do is use microphones and, and the audio engineers would um, have to delay the signal from the bottom until right. the sound from the top got there. So the musicians would have this mix in their in their earphones and it would sound like it was all happening at the same time, but really there would be a uh, you know a physical delay uh, of the sound even through through wires, you know. Right. So that's like closer to a a live performance event. I didn't have that problem in my computer. Of course, no, <laughs> of course not. How on earth? I mean, you talked about it taking a long time in terms of the planning and the permissions and the logistics and all the rest of that. But how long did it take you from having all these files of sounds to then working out where the notes were and then composing the actual music? Well, let me back up a little bit. I, I have a solo percussion project that I, I take out and play. And uh, one time after having played, I was very tired and I lied down in our house and we have a poster of the Eiffel Tower uh, near where I was lying down. And my wife was mimicking the way I look when I'm playing, you know, my arms are swinging, my body's moving. And she went over to the poster and she went bong. And I said, that would work. That would work. All I'd have to do is find out where all the different notes are. So <laughs> I, uh, you know, I immediately realized I didn't speak French. I didn't have any uh, uh, contacts in Paris, but I liked the concept, and I thought, let me let me try to do it here where I live in New York. And at the time, I uh, uh, the Henry Hudson, who was the explorer who uh, traveled up what we now call the Hudson River. Uh, there was a 400th anniversary of that coming up at that time, but I got this brainstorm. And I said, well, let's do a bridge over the Hudson River. And um, again, long story short, I mean, it took me years to get permission and uh, approached the New York State Bridge Authority. wanted to show them what I had in mind. And um, I later found out they uh, you know, did an Interpol search on me to make sure I wasn't trying to blow the thing up. 
Uh, so five years, five years after that, I completed bridge music. Um, and then I said, well, you know, this was supposed to be the Eiffel Tower. And before, I, it was very hard to describe this even in English, what I wanted to do to, to, you know, people in an office. But now I had something to show for it. Not only the music, but that I could work with a governmental organization. Right. So I used that, like I said, as a proof of concept. I asked for a meeting with the Eiffel Tower administration, showed them what I wanted to do. They liked the idea. And as with bridge music, they said, this is a great idea. You can use our, our structure, but we can't finance this at all. So I had to raise tens of thousands of dollars to take my team over and, and do this. So once we were there, we were there for two weeks, 11, day, 11 recording days. And when I came home, it took me nine months of going through all the samples. And as we recorded the samples, we did have a, uh, an assistant who was writing down, like, say, second floor, east edge, stairs. Right. Um, and then if we moved to another location, he put down um, summit west side you know wall so that when i wrote the piece i knew where the sounds actually were not just what they sounded like and um writing the music was the easy part i mean that's what i do you know that was that was uh uh enlivening and enriching to me you know so uh that took about nine months it's uh what is it it's about a 30 minute uh suite so yeah uh and then by the time the album came out that was 2004 it was like 13 years 12 years from the initial my wife hitting that poster to yeah. the album coming out so right hey, i have a black belt in patience i like to say <laughs> but the the other thing is you mentioned earlier you said you know it's you wrote it out and it's it's real music and this does sound like real music it's experimental music, it's classical, it's whatever it is, but it's it's music. I think what you're, if I understand what you're trying to say, it's not <laughs> ambient. It's not like so free form. Absolutely. You can't hang your hat anywhere on it. And exactly. that was, to me, that was the composition. I mean, I could have written, there is one track on there, uh, Harmony du Soir, uh, Evening Harmonies, which is very uh, sparse and very avant-garde. Yeah. But as a composer, you know, for me, the challenge was to write music. So each track is, you know, a little different. You know, there's a waltz in there. There's the, that avant-garde piece. There's like, you know, rock pieces. There's minimalism going on. Um, I just wanted to write music. That was the whole point. I had nothing else to prove, nothing else that in, in, invested in it, except that I wanted to write music with these sounds. Right. Can you, at this point, I'd like to play an extract from Continuum. Hmm. So can you talk to me about that track and, and what you were going for, what you were what you were aiming for? When I first started writing all the music, you know, I had to kind of get myself settled into it and know what the, how the sounds worked with each other, how they related to one another. And then after I had written a few pieces, then I said, well, you know, let me let me try to go into let me try to depict something and continuum which is the title refers to the eiffel tower when it was first built was part of a, a world's fair the world exposition in 1889 88 89 
And um, they had a contingency there from uh, French Indonesia, which we call Vietnam nowadays. And um, it was the first time that people had ever heard gamelan music in the West, anyway, or in Europe, I should say. And it, it really influenced uh, a lot of composers, so Debussy, Bartok, uh, um, Stravinsky, I don't know that you hear it so much in his music, but you do hear clear references in certain pieces by Debussy and Bartok and Rebel, that whole, all those composers who were active in France at that time. And of course now, you know, we're like over a hundred years later and I'm a composer writing music and that sound influences me, but I wanted to write music, some contemporary sounding music, just like Debussy and Bartok did. And so I had to find a middle ground and something that people listening to it would say, oh, this is like a modern piece. So I said, well, I think if I chose a minimalist style, that sort of chugging back and forth of, of chords and, and then mixed that with gamelan-like figures and combined those, that would show the continuum of the initiation, the initial hearing of the gamelan and what a, you know, a contemporary composer in a contemporary style, and I'm not a minimalist, but I can write in that style, put them together and, and made that happen. That's the continuum. definitely something that's very world music about this yeah yeah and, and i think we, you know which we all need right now is we need a bit of globalization pulling us together rather than pushing us apart and and i think that comes across in continuum as you said but in 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 several of the other tracks where where they feel it feels like this is about an american in paris if you will <laughs> but it's also about that whole sense that we are we're just people and we, we we can be wherever we like and we all like listening to music yeah i agree with that yeah and and the nice thing about my podcast harmonious world is listened to by people all around the world and and i'm forever grateful for for that and it's nice to know that you know i'm in the uk you're in the states we're talking about a, a structure in paris and, you know, we could be anywhere. doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. So tell me, Joseph, what's next? <laughs> um, well, um, I uh, do have a solo percussion project called the Bronze Collection. It's a collection of close to 100 different gongs and cymbals of all different kinds. I have them from the Philippines. I have them from... India, from Switzerland, 
all over the world. And I combined it into like a, a something where I could reach everything. And I had been composing for those. Um, well, before I, I told the story already about how I was playing the gongs and um, I yeah. was writing for that large ensemble. It's a large ensemble of instruments, but it's a solo percussion. So <clears throat> I moved from that to bridge music. I went from bridge music to its sister project, Tower Music. And um, when, yeah, this is kind of unavoidable. And I, I heard your last podcast <laughs> talking about, you don't want to bring up COVID every time you talk to somebody. No. But with, with the advent of COVID, uh, you know, I couldn't go out. Nobody could go out. And, you know, in a way it was very good. It, it took me, brought me back from these superhuman scale projects that last over a decade to my gongs, which I have in my house. And I said, well, let me write some pieces for, for the bronze collection. And then I said, well, let me reduce this further. I'm going to write a piece for one gong, a solo 40 inch gong, which is a, it's a pretty large gong. Yeah. And um, hundred centimeters for those of you in the UK. And uh, so I, I started working, I had time, of course, and I got all my different mallets out and started creating all these different techniques to create different sounds. Um, most people think of a gong as just a single crash, you know, what we'd call a one trick pony. That's all you, that's all you would uh, associate it with. <clears throat> but I came up with techniques where I, uh, I'm, I'm seated at this gong and I put my arms and my my shins and my my wrists against it to completely mute the gong so that there's no I, I can play it where there's no wash or ringing of sound and I can also add in a big crash if I want to um so I I just finished this one well not just I just premiered uh this piece that I wrote it's called the uh an, an eye illumined by another sun and I've had a few performances with it. And what's next for me right now is to try to continue that suite. So it's still in the percussion world, but it's it's very, very concentrated. And you would be, there's a video up of it on YouTube. Um, you'd be surprised all the different sounds you can get and, and to uh, how to make sense of it. That was really the challenge with that, but I'll stop for a moment so you can ask a question. No, that, honestly, I could let you go on forever. Um, th what's interesting is that you talk about the number of sounds. I mean, I think you proved that with uh, tower music, that mm. that sense that you can create a number of different sounds from, you know, the same structure. So, so I'm sure you can do the same with gongs. Um, that's that's fascinating. And actually, I've just realised that you're my first guest. So, I this is 170 something. Uh, episodes but you're my first guest with who who is predominantly a percussionist so this is a such a joy that's great um you'll also be maybe happy maybe not so happy <laughs> to hear that i was trained on the pipe organ oh and um i do uh, make my my day job is i'm director of music for two churches and a synagogue and they're all very, very supportive of my composing and my 
touring and things like that. When I was 45 years old, I'm 64 now. When I was 45, my wife and daughter wanted to get me something for Christmas. And so uh, they didn't know what to get. So they said, you think daddy would like a gong? Now I had written, I, I write for orchestra, chorus, solo instruments. I'm a, I'm a cross the board composer. They bought me the gong. I just fell in love with it. You know, and I said, you know what would go good with this gong? This is this was a gong from Java. I said, there's like a Vietnamese gong that really would complement this. So I got that. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, I said, you know what would go good with those two gongs? <laughs> and so by May, we had like reproduced and we had about 60 different pieces. And I had to, you know, find a way to be able to play them so they weren't spread out all over the room. And And with those gongs, I don't do what, you know, people are, are becoming more aware of things like gong baths and relaxation uh, sessions where somebody's playing singing bowls or gongs and the whole thing is about relaxation. Um, very valid, but my aesthetic is to write fixed compositions. Right. The gong. So, yeah, it's funny. I mean, I was trained on the pipe organ. I toured the um, Europe for the U.S. State Department a couple of times playing the great organs of never got it to you to the U.K. but oh. uh, Portugal, Poland, Spain, Italy, uh, and now I'm known as <laughs> percussion. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Um, and it's interesting you were talking about you know director of music and playing organ in churches and synagogues, and that's another thing, you know, isn't it that that actually music transcends religion as well as nationality so much. Yeah. It's amazing. We're so fortunate to have this kind of thing, this thing that we call music. And that's really interesting that you went at a fairly, you know, senior age of, you know, into into this thing. And and, and that's led you to tower music, ultimately. Yeah, I never could have figured that trajectory. Wow. I always, I, my whole, the reason I, I started taking music lessons was because I wanted to be a composer. That was my focus in life. I was nine years old and of all things, I had an earache and I was home sick from school and my father bought me this record, which had the lives of Bach and Haydn on the first side. This was an LP for you younger people. So you turn it over on the other side, it had Mozart and Beethoven on the other side. And it was like a, a narration of their life with little snippets of their music. And so I'd be lying in bed. I'd hear side one about 30 times. Somebody would come in and check on me. I asked them to flip the record. They flipped the record. I heard that 30 times. Um, this happened for a couple of days. And I said, I want to be a composer. And my uh, parents heard, oh, Joey wants to take piano lessons. <laughs> And in my wisdom as a nine-year-old, I said, no, I don't want to play piano. I want to write music. So they said, well, you know, if you want to write songs, it'd be good to learn how to play an instrument. And I thought there was some, you know, value in this this line of reasoning. So I said, okay. So uh, I'll shorten the story by saying I, I started on the pipe organ and became a professional liturgical musician. All the, the whole while writing music and then graduating to playing, writing pieces for chorus and orchestra 
and um, all this stuff you can you can hear on Spotify and Amazon. You can you can check me out. I got my own website. Wow, that's an amazing story. And at the age of nine, to even have a concept that that music is composed like that, and 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 we we do stand on the shoulders of giants, don't we? You know, Bach and Mozart, Haydn, Handel. You know, those are the guys who made it real hundreds of years ago. That when we're now following that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing some time with me today. It's been a real joy to talk to you. It's been my pleasure, Hillary. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for joining me once more for Harmonious World. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. It was a total joy. What you're listening to now is Ironworks from Tower Music by Joseph Bertolozzi. And I don't think I shall ever look at the Eiffel Tower in the same way. Next time I'm walking up the steps, I won't be able to stop just tapping on the walkway and on the handrails. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And I hope that you are enjoying listening to episodes of Harmonious World. Don't forget that you can subscribe, which will give you uh, all sorts of goodies, which are in the pipeline now. Some of them are live now, which is uh, subscriber-only episodes and an e- a regular email, which will come through to you. And just the joy of knowing that you are subscribing and helping me continue with this. I've now got over 175 episodes. I can't believe I've reached this far. And I absolutely love this. So thank you for the those of you that are subscribing. Whatever you're doing this week, I hope you're sharing what you are good at to make this world a little more harmonious. for listening to the latest episode of Harmonious World. My name is Hilary Seabrook and it's a great delight to bring this series of discussions with musicians and composers and writers and all sorts of people to you. Obviously there's no point in having a podcast if people aren't listening and I'm very grateful to my listeners for doing so. Thanks also to Joe English for composing and performing this new theme tune. So wherever you get your podcast, you can leave a review. You can share this with your friends and family, either as a link or on social media and that sort of thing. I'd be really grateful for that. Don't forget that you can subscribe now. There's a link wherever you get your podcasts. So have a great week. And please remember why I started this, which is just to try and make the world a little more harmonious. Thanks for listening to Harmonious World.